here. It's a blessing to be gathered together. I want to especially welcome our visitors. We uh, trust that you can feel at home here, that you can find a, a blessing in worshiping here with us. I, uh, I'm not sure, maybe I was a little bit late in thinking about it. It wasn't until about yesterday or today that I uh, considered the fact that it is one year since uh, we started having services here. You've been hearing it this morning. That's nothing new, but, um, and I, I'm not sure it's maybe a day or two off, but uh, this, this is the Sunday that it's been one year since we had our first service here. And uh, my mind was drawn to uh, the sermon I preached that Sunday, just uh, the last verse of that um, passage, which uh, if I remember, I want to bring that out at the end. I don't know if anyone remembers what that verse was. But um, I, I am planning to do something I haven't done here before, or I have, have not done before. Um, and I hope you can understand with me a little bit. Um, I've never preached a wedding message on a Sunday morning. So um, I guess Brother Lamar and Sister Lonette, I can't, there you are. I guess you can bear with me a little bit. You heard this message yesterday, but I trust we can um, receive a blessing from it again. And uh, I acknowledge that um, we do have a number of, of singles here this morning. And um, I trust that you too can, can find a blessing in this as we look into it. I do want to say at the onset that singlehood is a high calling. Um, I know sometimes as as um, couples, as married people, and maybe men sometimes, we might put a little pressure on some, some of the young ones that uh, are not married. And uh, I think that is often in fun, although I um, do recognize that there are feelings there involved as well. I um, think of, of Paul and his, um, the words he had to say for the singles. And I think of the blessing that single people can be in a congregation to, to children, to young families, to, to many people. The, the commitments that singles have are different than the commitments that married people have. And there is so much value, so much blessing that you can be to the church. Benji and Darlene did get married yesterday. This comes from their wedding. Um, this message does. And um, I also was considering the fact that we are planning an ordination in two weeks, but I, I did not feel the capacity to, uh, with all that's going on in my lives, to prepare a message in that direction. Um, this morning, as we think of 
of weddings, they are a joyful time. I think uh, many people enjoy going to a wedding and just uh, supporting and, and blessing the young couple that's getting married. And um, even as, as I mentioned before, of uh, singlehood being an honorable call, that marriage is also an honorable call. Uh, Hebrews 13 would bring that out, that marriage is honorable. It's a, it's a, a blessed calling. As we think of marriage, I'm going to invite your attention to uh, the book of Ephesians. And uh, just a lot of my message this morning is from the book of Ephesians. Uh, the passage I want to read to begin with here is, you probably guessed it, Ephesians 5, uh, the last part of the passage, where it is comparing marriage to the relationship between Christ and the church, that beautiful relationship. We look at uh, verse 32, and he's speaking of a man leaving his father and mother, being joined to his wife, they too shall be one flesh. He says this is a great mystery in verse 32. This is a great mystery. And then he says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And I think as we look at this mystery, we're looking at, maybe you could say a double mystery, that of a, a husband and wife being joined together, being one flesh, being one, one part of the mystery. And the other part of the mystery, that of Christ and his relationship with his bride, the church. I think as we look at that mystery of the church, There is a mystery, so a mystery I uh, just looked it up here as I was studying, is a secret, something that was hidden, but is now revealed. As we look at the mystery of the church, that mystery is in part revealed to those who are a part of the body, the church. So I'd like to read here in Ephesians 5. Uh, verses 17 through the end of the chapter, verse 33. <clears throat> Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man 
ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So as we can see here, we have the relationship of the husband and wife um, reflected and, and woven into the, the um, picture of Christ in the church through this passage. And that's um, kind of the maybe the overarching or the big thing I want to draw from Ephesians 5 here and pulling some points from here, but also um, at least one uh, pulling from another passage in Ephesians as well. I have four points this morning that I want to bring out. These four points start with each one as a word with the letter C. And the first point I have is the word chosen. There is a a personal choosing in a a marriage. Um, Each one who is married here this morning, of the men, they have chosen a wife, chosen a lady that they felt they could love, someone that they appreciated, someone that, um, that... we believed would be compatible with our life. Now, in the times of, of, um, from where we're reading here, um, that choosing may not have always come directly from the young man. Um, We would understand that some of the marriages uh, throughout the scriptures would have been more arranged marriages where a young lady was chosen by maybe the father. Maybe it was worked out between the two fathers. Uh, the case of Isaac. Abraham sent Eliezer, a trusted servant, to choose a wife for his son Isaac. Now, I'd like to turn back in Ephesians to chapter 1 and read a few verses there as we consider the bride of Christ being chosen by God. Ephesians 1, 2 through 6 says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he, Christ, hath chosen us in himself before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We could 
uh, draw different things from this passage, but I especially want to bring out being chosen. Verse 4, he has chosen us in him. And that actually goes back to before the foundation of the world. Verse 5 goes on to use the word um, predestinated. And I don't know if you remember here some months ago, Brother Matt got into the subject of predestination. I'm not here to, to preach on predestination. I, um, I think as, as, you know, as we look at this subject in various understandings, I think I come out very much where Matt um, would have shared on that. But just as I look at that word, I believe that we have all been designed and therefore could we say predestined, predestinated to God, to be his children, not just us within the church, that all people have been predestinated, could we say, to be God's children. But... The choice to accept that choosing is ours, or to not accept that choosing. God will not force us to be his children. So, then it can start looking like just kind of a mass choosing. All have been chosen. But I want to tell you that I believe that our choosing by Christ, to be a part of his bride is very personal. I look at the word just a little bit after the word predestinated. He has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself. Take that word adoption there. And as I think of adoption, my mind is drawn to um, Carl and Darlene and uh, JJ, and they're working towards Adoption there. That adoption is not a mass choosing. It is one child that is being chosen. Sometimes it may be, um, depending on the situation, maybe several children from a family that are chosen to be adopted. But even so, I believe that our choosing by Jesus Christ is, is very personal to each individual upon this earth. As we go back to Ephesians 5, verse 25 talks about, about Christ in his love giving himself for the church, going to the cross. He, that, that's what he did. He went to the cross and died for our sins, came to save us from our sins. And, and that salvation is a free and very personal gift to each one who is willing to accept it. On an individual level, each one of us as a groom chooses his bride, has been chosen by God, and even as a bride must give her response. It's up to her to do the choosing. Even so, it is up to each one of us individually to choose that that choosing of God and to be his children. My second point is covenanted. 
A covenant is a binding agreement. And the marriage vows that we have made are binding agreements for life. Jesus was teaching against divorce in Mark chapter 10. We won't turn to that. It's a familiar uh, verse here that I want to share where he says, What God, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. God has joined husband and wife as one flesh. And no one has the, could you say, the authority to divide a marriage. As I think of our personal relationship with Christ, I also believe that that is a personal, um, I'm sorry, I, I believe that that is a covenant that is binding, that is not to be broken. And my mind went back to, um, I guess about two months ago, our baptism service here, where, um, just looking around, we have a couple here um, that were baptized that morning, (coughs) where there were those promises of of faithfulness to God. I can't uh, pull them out right now. Exactly, but promises to be faithful um, to God and to to put away sin and um, to be his children, uh, which was a, a commitment they had made to him before as well. And Christ will never break that covenant with his bride. There again, if that covenant is broken, it is not from Christ, it is from, um, from the human that has been in that relationship with Christ. Today, the marriage covenant, let me back up here a bit, uh, but the more we see the covenant with Christ broken, the more we see the marriage relationships broken. And we are seeing those covenants being broken so tragically in our world today. And it's a tremendous consequence to, um, to families and just to life in general. I believe it's a tremendous consequence to our country, our world. In thinking of the binding agreement of, of marriage, um, just... Uh, my mind was drawn to Ecclesiastes 4.12, that of a threefold cord, not quickly broken. And as I was considering that um, verse, uh, the other evening, Brendan and I took some, some thread, just like the ladies would use for sewing. And, you know, you can just break that thread real easily. It's not a problem. Well, we took three strands of thread, we twisted it together a little bit, and we couldn't break it, could we, Brendan? Um, it it kind of hurts your hands a little bit if you pull too hard on it. Now, one thing with that, we twisted it together a little bit, and if you twist thread together a little bit, it's not too hard to unravel it. We could have unraveled it, we could have broken the individual strands without too much trouble. 
as I think of our marriages, that threefold cord includes a man, his wife, and Christ. And it is so important that Christ is a part of our marriages, not just twisted together a little bit. I think a better illustration would have been to braid that, that thread together, where that all three threads were woven, would have been woven together. If that's not the case in our marriages, if Christ is just, could you say, just kind of hanging there loosely for as needed, there's not a whole lot of strength there. But as Christ is woven into our marriages, you know, there can be difficult things that arise. There can be hard things. But if Christ is woven into our marriage, our marriages can last throughout all of time. They can't be broken apart if Christ is bound up in them tightly. The third point I have is cherished. Cherished is to hold dear, to feel or show affection for. And in verse 25 in our passage here in Ephesians, that is a call to the man. Husbands, love your wives. And then the comparison, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, Christ, actually backing up here a little bit, um, as men, I think, uh, I'm speaking for myself, I'm not really speaking for everyone else here, but I contend towards selfishness. Um, it's easy to live for the feelings. And... Um, Maybe to, to love as the feelings dictate and to express love in, in, in those times. And I'm talking about, um, you know, that feeling of love here. But we are not just simply called to that feeling of love. We are called to love as Christ loved. And if we back up in, in chapter 5 here of Ephesians to verse 2, we're called to walk in love as Christ loved, as he loved us, and hath given us, I'm sorry, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Christ in his love for us, gave himself. He took upon himself the sins of man. He died that we might live. Now, I ask you this morning, did that love feel good to Christ? 
That wasn't the feeling of love that took Christ to the cross. That was true love. You know, sometimes I'm tired, I'm lazy, selfish, and I don't feel like doing all I can for my wife. I'd rather do what I think feels good to me. But if Christ would have had that attitude when he was here on this earth, when it was came, die to, came time to die, if he would have had that attitude of just doing what felt good to him, he would have gone straight back where he came from. What a challenge to me. Love does go both ways. I believe that a husband loves his wife selflessly, that she tends to be drawn to him. And as a husband loves his wife well, it encourages submission. We read about submission in Ephesians uh, 5.22 here. Wives are called to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord. And you know, uh, a wife doesn't always, I think you can probably all agree with this. I, I don't know from your perspective, but I'm sure you don't always feel like submitting to your husbands. But I'm sure that if you feel the love and the care of your husband, that it helps and encourages that in your lives. The church, in verse 24, is called to come under Christ. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. As the church is subject unto Christ. And I also believe that if we are open to Christ and his love, whoever we are here this morning, if we're open to him, that submission to him and also to each other as his bride does not need to be a drudgery. In fact, it's the order that he designed, and it can be a joy to us. And I think when we understand, uh, just bringing this to a church level here, when we understand that as brothers and sisters, we are looking out for the best in each other, that can be a blessing in submitting to one another and just maybe bringing the uh, upcoming ordination here into this, um, my mind went to the words submission, surrender. Um, you can use both of those in there, I believe. But I, I think that's something that just really needs to happen in each of our hearts. I think it's something that's going to need to happen in the, um, the one who is chosen for that work and his family, just to be surrendered to the work, to the calling of God on, on your lives. And I think, too, as a congregation, that we need now to be in a spirit of submission as we wait on God's call uh, for the church here, 
for the one to lead, that um, we are not simply trying to figure this out uh, as what we think best, but just being completely open before God and allowing him to direct us as a congregation in this. The final point I have is confirmed. Confirmed is to give approval. Verse 26. So Christ loved the church in verse 25. He gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Christ gave himself so that he could purify us. But then it goes on here. It says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Confirmed to give approval. Christ's purifying of us is to make us presentable to himself and to Almighty God. You know, without Christ, we are unworthy to stand before God. Salvation, we could turn back to Ephesians 2.9. It says that salvation is not of works. It's not something that we can boast. It's the work of God through Christ. And that's how we're confirmed before God and before Christ. As we experience the love of Christ, we are drawn to be more like him. We are drawn to please him, to serve him. And even so, in a a good, healthy marriage that's bound together with Christ, that's filled with love and totally committed to one another, it makes of both the husband and the wife a better person, more fit to serve in God's kingdom. And I also believe that they become more and more in love with each other. Where, where love is present, where love is felt, each wants to please the other. And I think we know that strong marriages do have refining acts, as I've been saying here, that they, um, they work off some of the edges that we have, if we'll allow them to. I would just challenge each one of you who is married here just to Maybe step back to your wedding day, those um, days of following the wedding, the honeymoon, and, and months beyond that. Just step back to the simplicity and the commitment that you felt um, in those days. Sometimes, and I, yeah, as the busyness of life um, comes in, maybe we um, kind of overlook some of that beautiful simplicity and, and enjoyment that we felt. Uh, but it is a blessing just to take the time 
whatever ways you choose to, to just enjoy your lives together. And I, I just want to leave with each couple here this morning that thought of a threefold cord. Um, I think that's probably about the most important thing I, um, I see here in this, uh, for, for married people in this message. Um, that threefold, threefold cord, if I can say it right, is so important to be knit together, to be bound together. And, um, and I, I believe that I can just say for each one of you who God has not called to marriage, that to keep Christ just so intertwined in your life is the most important thing that can happen. As I, um, just in closing here, as I go back to a year ago, I don't know, did anyone think of that verse that I shared at the end? Yeah, a year's a long time. What, what verse was it, Martha Ann? Psalm 49. 49? 48, I think it was. Um, Psalm 40, 48, 14. And um, I, I just, I just want to, um, just again, I know that we read that verse together as a, um, as a congregation here that first Sunday. For this God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our guide even unto death. And may we each again make that commitment to God here this morning, that he will be our God, our Father, until death. And then we have the blessing and the beauty of going to be with him throughout eternity I'm going to invite you to kneel with me for prayer. Um,